current on things that are going on and just how relevant these end time studies are to the day in which we live. And I'll pray there in just a minute, but I wanted to give you a chance to turn there. I'll pray in just a minute and ask the Lord to bless our study. But just a a reminder, this Friday night, won't have a chance to announce this again on Sunday. Obviously, it'll be passed. But this Friday night, we're going to be having uh, just kind of a, a night of music and worship and fellowship. And it begins at 6 p.m. here out in the fellowship hall. And uh, it's kind of a potluck. Bring your favorite Mexican dish. The church will be providing all the drinks and uh, side, you know, uh, paper goods, paper plates and so forth. But the music is going to start right at 6. So as soon as you can come out, even if you want to come a little early, the church will be open if you want to come a little early and get prepared and get seated. But uh, we did this uh, some months ago, and it was a great time of fellowship. We just had a we just had a blast, you know, and uh, kids were there, family environment. It was great music and just great fellowship. So I encourage you uh, to come out. We will have the Rudy Benavides band playing, but we're also going to have uh, some of our own guest talent. Uh, you, brother, you folks know uh, Brother Mick, who plays the electric guitar. I'm sure you've enjoyed his gift and ministry. We're privileged to have him playing with us. Uh, we don't get him all the time because he, he, he's a professional musician, and oftentimes he has to play during our, uh, our services. I'm building you up, bro. You better be good on Friday. <laughs> so he's going to come and play uh, an, an open on Friday night for us, and uh, I'm, just, I'm looking forward to that as much as anything. He is such a blessed, uh, gifted brother, and him and his wife uh, have just been a blessing in this church. So I want to encourage you to come out and take advantage of that. I think it will be a real blessing for you. Okay, let me, uh, let me go ahead and pray and ask the Lord to uh, minister to us tonight as we took, take a look at his word. Father, we do thank you again for the beautiful time in worship and just the presence of your spirit among us. And Lord, we would ask now that you would speak to us out of your word. Lord, we are living in um, what, what by all by all that we can see, seem to be the very last of the last days. And so many signs and things happening in the earth today, Lord, that just give us that sense that the day of our salvation draweth nigh. And so we want to be good students of the word. We want to be informed of what your scriptures say. Lord, we, we know that, that we can't discern all of it. Some prophecy, Lord, is not not really discernible until you begin to fulfill it. But, Lord, you've given it to us to, to, to study and to search and to be, to be diligent with. So tonight we want to open up some of those passages, Lord, look at them, consider them prayerfully. And just I pray tonight that it would stir our hearts, Lord, to serve you, to love you, and just to be thankful tonight, to know, to know Jesus and to be saved. So speak to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've just been so blessed um, being out there with the other pastors in Marietta. I uh, got a chance to see a number of the brothers that are friends and haven't seen in a while. And uh, just been a great time of fellowship and uh, beautiful setting there. The Marietta uh, Conference Center just just, be, just been a wonderful time. And one of the things that uh, Pastor Chuck uh, brought uh, brought a guest with him uh, was a was a gentleman from Israel. And he's a young man who's a captain in the Israeli army. He's no longer, but he was the fastest, youngest to reach captain in the, the Israeli defense forces. And 
uh, Pastor Chuck had asked him to come and just kind of give us an update. You know, so much is going on in Israel right now and so much in the news. And uh, Pastor Chuck thought it would be good if we could hear firsthand, you know, somebody from who has even a, a more inside view of things, what's really going on. And so we had the privilege of uh, hearing this brother share for, for just a few minutes. But he said a few things that I, ju- I had no idea were going on. Of course, you heard about the, the raid on the, you know, those, the flotilla that was coming in from Turkey, trying to break the, the Gaza blockade. And you probably saw that in the news. And the news covered it in, in, a, in a way that made Israel, of course, look like these brutes and, you know, raiding this innocent ship. And uh, this brother gave us a little more inside uh, reality as to just the kind of violence that they came into on the ship. And uh, the way they had to really, they were defending for their lives. There were terrorists on board and attempting to kill them. And anyway, he gave us something of that, that whole scenario. And what he pointed out was really, and he, and he referenced Satan, that Satan is referenced in the scriptures as one, as a deceiver. And he's referenced a number of times where he goes out to deceive the nations. And he pointed out that, you know, you can almost just see that taking place. There is this deception of the nations. What's really happening versus what's being portrayed and the way the nations are rising up with this sense of, uh, you know, wanting vindication and rage. And there's just this blindness and a deception to what's really happening in truth. But he pointed out something else to us um, that that's just recently been in the news. And I'm telling you, when I heard it, it just... It really startled me because I didn't realize this was going on. He talked about a, uh, a finding off of the, uh, the coast of Haifa. They have found a nat- Israel has found a natural gas reserve uh, just off the coast there in the Mediterranean Sea. And they knew it was a big one when they found it, but they just recently discovered that it is significantly larger than they anticipated. And so much so um, that not only will it provide all of Israel's energy needs for the next 20 years, but it is such a vast find that it is actually Israel is going to be able to be an, uh, an energy exporter. They will, they will be one of the major exporters in the world for natural gas. Now, this is significant in Scripture as well. But I just want to read to you just a few of the, the headlines. Just, I, I didn't realize this. To be honest, we were just over there, my wife and I, and we traveled through Israel, and it's really beautiful. We saw, you know, lush countryside, and it's very fertile, and they, you know, the Israelis are doing a, a wonderful job just kind of rehabilitating the land and turning into, uh, you know, just a beautiful place, but it's small. And, you know, there's, I, I, to my knowledge, I didn't realize there were any real natural resources there, anything significant. Uh, and so there was a passage in Ezekiel that I always wondered about, and I'll explain that in just a minute. So for me to hear that they had found this natural gas reservoir was really news. So I came home and I did a little Google searching, and sure enough, they're, what they're telling us out at these pastors' conferences are true. <laughs> uh, I found this in the Associated Press, June 3rd, okay, 2010, just a few days ago. A U.S. energy company predicts Israel will have enough natural gas to export to Europe and Asia from the field it is developing. The Houston, Texas-based Noble Energy says the Leviathan natural gas field is, uh, it is developing off of Israel's coast may hold up to 16 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. 
Noble raised estimates for the neighboring Tamar field to $8.4 trillion, a 33% increase. Noble released a statement with the predictions Wednesday ahead of its annual meeting of senior analysts. Investors suggest that natural gas from Leviathan could be directed toward exports because the yield of the nearby Tamar and Dalet fields, also in Israeli waters, are expected to cover Israel's energy needs for the next two decades once production begins in 2012. So this is really a, a, a significant change to the economy and the energy resources of Israel. Dramatic. One of the largest fines uh, in the last two years all over the world. Um, the largest natural gas exporter in the world today is Russia. And Russia exports and provides most of Europe's energy needs concerning natural gas. So it's interesting that now Israel will be something of competition to Russia in this natural gas uh, resource. And that brings me to Ezekiel, chapter 38. Some of you may know this passage. Some of it may be new to some of you. I won't have time to go into great detail, but I wanted to at least give you this bullet of what, you know, something that just so startled my own heart, and I want to give you the reference in the Scripture here so you can begin to see its significance. In the book of Ezekiel, there is a, this prophecy in chapters 38 and 39 that we believe speak of a end time or nearing the end time war or conflict that will take place in the nation of Israel. We believe this is future. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel's history. So we believe this is looking forward to something that is yet future. Look with me just at the first six verses here of Ezekiel 38. Now, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around and, hook, and put hooks into your jaws and lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all of its troops, the house of Tagarma from the far north, and all its troops, many peoples, are with you. Now, of course, there's many nations mentioned here. Some we know for sure. We know that, for example, Ethiopia, Libya, those are still nations today. Persia is actually modern-day Iran. I think I covered some of this with you just recently, maybe even last week, but I'll point out this, this new information in just a minute. But most of these nations, modern-day, uh, you know, based on the geography of where these peoples were at the time of Ezekiel's writings, most of these nations are part of Russia, uh, Iran, and Turkey. Now that brings me to something else I re just saw in the headlines. This is out of the New York Times just yesterday. Actually, what's today? It's today the 9th? This was today, Wednesday, June 9th, 2010. This is a meeting that was just held. Leaders of Russia, Turkey, and Iran convened Tuesday at a security summit meeting in Istanbul. In a display of regional power, 
that appeared to be calculated to test the United States just one day before a scheduled U.S. blockade debate in the U.N. Security Council on imposing tighter sanctions over Iran's nuclear program. So all of a sudden, there is this aligning of Russia, Turkey, and Iran coming together to discuss security of the region. Turkey was recently... uh, an ally of Israel and a pseudo-ally of the United States. Now you may have seen just in the headlines, that's all changing now. Turkey is now really coming against Israel. Turkey was where that flotilla was, you know, began. It came from there, and the, Turkey, uh, the people in Turkey were all up in arms over its, you know, the stopping at the blockade. So these nations are really starting to kind of gather, and it seems, it looks like it's just read right out of Ezekiel chapter 38. There is a, there's a fictional writer, he's a Christian, you may know him, Joel Rosenberg. He's written a number of, of fictional uh, end-time books, you know, what might happen, what scenarios might look like. And he's tried to kind of imagine how these prophecies might be fulfilled. And in his, one of his books, um, he talked about what would motivate these nations to come towards Israel. And you'll look here, now skip down with me in verse 10, you're still in Ezekiel 38. And look what it says here. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind. Now this is speaking of that confederation of nations that are going to come against the land of Israel. Thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. So we know that something is going to motivate these nations and the passage says it's going to come to your mind. To your mind, let's we we can take this nation. They're dwelling there in 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 safety. There's no there's no army between us. There's really nothing that would stop our forces from going. There's no you know real wall or, or barrier. And having just been in, in Israel, we were went up, we went up on the Golan Heights there and looked out you know over into Syria, over into Jordan, and there, there are no walls. And it's just, you know, we can, you can see them and they keep an eye on each other. But really there's nothing to stop if an army were to, you know, to really gather and begin to invade. But there's going to, they're going to want to come and take plunder. They're going to want to come after something. And that passage always, I just thought, Lord, I don't know what they would be coming after. Israel doesn't have anything that they want. I mean, what are they going to come for? Cattle or, you know, agriculture? I mean, there's just, there's nothing there. Just the... The value of the land, I suppose, just the strategic positioning of the land. But what would be the booty? What would be the the motivation? And to hear that Israel has now discovered this natural gas reservoir is like, duh, there it is. All of a sudden, in the last few years, Israel has become a major player in the world of energy. In a time when the world is starving for energy. At a time when there is so much focus on clean energy. And here Israel is sitting on a treasure. And this passage saying it's going to come to your mind. We can go 
And we can take those things for ourselves. Russia already being the largest exporter of natural gas. As I mentioned to you, that, that book, uh, by, uh, a book by Joel Rosenberg, he actually he, he wrote out a fictional story. And he, in his story, he imagined that Israel would you know, discover oil and that that would become the catalyst for the, the rest of the events that he would then play out in his book, all taken from the ideas in Ezekiel's 38 and 39. So when this, um, this brother from Israel came and shared that with us, I can tell you a lot of the pastors, we were, wow, it is right here happening before our eyes. These things that were written thousands of years ago, the very nations that are referenced are the very nations that seem to be coming aligned. The very motive that seems to want to draw them into conflict is now looking like it may be in place. And it was just, you know, it just kind of rocked us and shook us. We were kind of buzzing about it afterward. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I didn't know they had any natural gas and just talking among us. So I wanted to share that with you and uh, just try to stir your heart with uh, just how relevant the scriptures are concerning prophecy, how close we may be to the fulfillment of some of these things. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to where this, uh, this particular battle takes you know, place in terms of timing. Oh, by the way, the Lord totally um, wipes out the nations that come against Israel. Uh, you can read Ezekiel 38 and find out how it ends in 39, and you can see that uh, God is actually going to use this battle to demonstrate that he is once again working with the nation of Israel. This is going to be his statement in the earth that God is, has his eye once again on Israel when all of these forces come against her and they are wiped out. God's going to cause a great earthquake. God's going to cause them to turn on themselves. And also there's other things that are mentioned, a lot of you know, uh, some of it's symbolic. We don't have time tonight to go into the details of it, but it is fascinating. I encourage you to read it. I encourage you to read some commentary on it, and you'll begin to see that this, this is happening in our day. These things are happening right before our eyes. Have you all noticed that the United States seems to be changing in our support of Israel? Again, I don't want to, like, you know, put my view over on yours. But just, now be honest. Don't, don't raise your hand just because the pastor is asking you. But have you, do you see, do you feel, this is my own perception, with some of the recent things that have gone on in the news and some of the response of the United States, some of the lack of support that the United States has given the United Nations and so forth concerning Israel, it seems like the United States is withdrawing at least some of its support, at least... In its heart, we're, we're not as supportive of Israel and the climate could be changing. We've been her, her really her strongest ally, and now even that seems to be changing. Have, does anybody feel like that's something you've seen? Okay. So that would have to be in place, wouldn't it? I mean, these nations are not going to come bar- bar- barrel in, into Israel if they know that America is ready to defend. But America is already starting to... You know, for political reasons, for our, you know, for, you know, their, for America's own view of, you know, her destiny and our political leaders, things are changing. And you can bet that Satan is working a deception amongst the nations. 
And that God, of course, is allowing that because God himself is orchestrating these things. And we're, you know, we may live to see some of this. We may live at least to see the beginning of it. As I mentioned, there's a lot of um, different ideas as to the timing of this. Does this happen during the time of the tribulation? Does this actually become the war that begins the time of the tribulation, the seven-year period? That's what we're looking at in the book of Revelation. Um, a lot of different ideas there. Again, I don't have time to go into all of that. Uh, I would say probably most believe that this happens before the tribulation and quite likely may be the, the catalyst for the beginning of the tribulation. So um, there's the chance that we will be here to see it. There's a chance that we will be raptured out just before it. Um, and we'll, be, we'll still see it but from a different vantage point. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so the timing of these things, but, you know, keep your eyes on Israel. Israel is the timepiece. Israel is, is what God is setting his watch by, and you can watch and see what's happening there. And uh, it can stir your heart for prophecy and the things that God is doing. All right, I'd like you to turn with me now to the book of Revelation, chapter 16. I took a lot of time there with that little prophecy update. So um, we'll see how far we get tonight in Revelation 16. We may not finish the whole chapter here tonight, but let's see where, where we get. So what is our context here? Now we find ourselves in the book of Revelation chapter 16. Well, we believe that we are in that past, those, the portion of Revelation where we're looking at the events yet future, those things that are going to happen during the time of tribulation time that Jesus referred to as great tribulation. None, none has ever happened. None ever will. This is a great time of tribulation upon the earth. We believe this coincides with the seventh, the 70th week out of Daniel chapter nine. We've done a lot of homework to get us to this place, but that's kind of where we are. We are looking at what we believe will be the judgments of God poured out upon the earth and some of the surrounding events, the rise of Antichrist, the persecution of those that come to faith. Now, all of this happening in a seven-year window at the end of the age, just before Jesus returns to set up His earthly reign. Revelation 16 is the actual pouring out of the final judgments, the final seven judgments that God has predicted and destined for the earth are here in Revelation 16. That's the title of tonight's text is the final seven judgments. So let's take a look at, we just take it, we'll take it, you know, verse by verse as we do and, and kind of discuss what we think is happening here. Verse 16, John, again, hearing and seeing these things, the apostle John writing down his vision. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So as we studied last week in Revelation 15, there is quite a, a ceremony in heaven preparing these last seven judgments. And now the time has come. The voice comes out from the temple. This is no, none other than the voice of God saying, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. These will be the last of the judgments. It will be sudden and it will be final. And when God sets that time in motion, it will happen quickly. The way these, these bowls read, and you'll see as we go through it, it, 
It almost seems like a rapid fire final judgment that these things just come one after the other. Let's look at the first bowl, verse 2. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. We're talking about those that are following and worshipping the Antichrist. They are going to receive a judgment when this bowl is poured out. They are going to receive foul and loathsome sores upon them. Those words, some other translations, uh, the New American Standard says loathsome and malignant sores. The NIV says ugly and painful sores. They are going to be painful and they are going to be incurable. And they are going to come out upon all those who are following and worshiping the Antichrist. Notice that the, the Christians or the saints, those who have put their faith in Christ, those who have not taken the mark of the beast, those who are not worshiping the Antichrist, they, are, they seem to be protected here. There's no reference that they will, be, they will occur, um, incur these, these judgments at all. It reminds us a little bit of when God poured out his wrath on Egypt. You remember just before he was delivering the nation of Israel out of Egypt, the plagues, Moses came and, and announced the plagues on Egypt. When those plagues came, the, the, the Israelites were actually protected. and those, They did not actually occur, incur those judgments. This is very similar, that God's people will be protected, but there will be judgments coming against those in the earth that are rebelling against the Lord. Verse 3, the second bowl. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. Boy, we've got, we've got some death going on in the seas right now, don't we? Now this is going to be the, the, all of the seas. And how is God going to do this? You know, I, I read that and I thought, wow, Lord... As much devastation as there is in just one oil well, I wonder what would happen if, you know, a bunch of them burst open or were sabotaged and, you know, what could happen. We can only speculate on how God will fulfill these things. And it, we don't want to go too far down that kind of thinking because then you kind of get locked in on what you think is going to happen. But you, it is interesting to see right in our, you know, in our living room on the news, we, we can see the type of devastation that happens when the oceans are touched. And that when God, somehow, through this angel pouring out, there is going, he is going to touch all the oceans. Uh, some think perhaps, you know, uh, an asteroid will hit the earth and poison uh, the seas. Uh, who knows what God, you know, how God will accomplish this, but it is interesting to, to see these very things right now happening on a smaller scale and understand, imagine the devastation. This is just the Gulf of Mexico and one, one small area of all the seas that's being greatly impacted. Imagine all the oceans becoming poisonous and all the, the creatures in the sea die. could be a red tide. Some of you know a little bit about that. Plankton that removes oxygen out of the water and other animals die. It could be a massive red tie. We just don't know. But these types of things are, going, are coming. Verse 4, we see the third bowl. Not only are the waters of the ocean touched, but the fresh water supply is going to be touched as well. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of waters, and they became blood. 
So the fresh water supply is also going to be poisoned. It's going to be uh, impacted. And you can imagine what kind of uh, judgment that will create upon the earth. Look at verse 5. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, interesting that there is an angel watching over the waters. You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. When this judgment comes, the angel who actually ministers out this judgment, the angel of the waters, is going to say, Amen. This is a true and righteous judgment. This is what... This is what the earth, and those who are rebelling against you deserve. You know, that's probably something you've all heard. People asking the questions, you know, will God be fair? Or how is it that a loving God, you know, will God be fair? What about, and they create a situation, well, what about that individual who's never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus, and he's off in the jungle, and he dies, and he never hears the gospel, what's God going to do with him? And, you know, somehow if we can ask these, you know, unknown questions that that we really don't have answers to, that we can question and challenge the integrity of God. And, you know, when God begins to pour out judgments, it, it, you know, people begin to feel that God is being unfair. But understand, the angels are announcing it. God is fair and God is just and God is true. And that what God is going to bring upon the earth is exactly what is needed and what is right and what is good. You know, when Abraham was warned that God was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of Genesis, Abraham asked the Lord, Lord, what if there are 50 righteous there? Will you judge the righteous with the wicked? And God said, no. No, if there are 50 righteous there, I will not judge. And then Abraham said, well, what about 40? <laughs> and you know the story. Abraham asked 40, no. Well, what about 30? No. 20? No. 10? What if there's just one? God said, you need to go and you need to get Lot out of there. Because he's the last one. <laughs> Him and his family. But the point is, God, God rescues the righteous out of the judgment that comes upon the wicked. See, we can't, we can't understand, we can't think of a people that have gone so um, you know, into their own way that there are none righteous in the land. Hard for us to think that way. But remember, this is a time when the church is gone. And all that's left are those that are coming to faith in Christ during this time. And God has promised to protect them and to save them. But they do have to come through this time of tribulation. And these judgments that are coming out are coming out against a people that are rebellious, that want nothing to do with God. Remember, we've already studied this is after the gospel has been proclaimed numerous times by the two witnesses 
Undoubtedly by the 144,000 that God is saving. And undoubtedly by those that have come to salvation. Not, Not to mention the angel who announces it from the heavens. Repent. God has given men time and chance to to repent, but they've refused and they have left themselves with nothing but this certain expectation of judgment. This is not God being unfair. This is not God being unjust. This is God being just and fair. This is God doing what he must to men that refuse to repent and embrace his offer of mercy. Remember Noah. It says before the flood came in Genesis 6 and verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I know that we're not there yet, but I got to say that it, I see a lot of that in the world that I'm living in. I don't know about what you see. There seems to be a lot of evil intentions in the heart of men continually. And the sense is that these, as these things wax worse, the Bible says that the love of many will wax cold, that the days are going to come when men are just going to wax even deeper into their sin and rebellious ways. God is bringing what is just and what is true and what is right. You may, I mentioned this, I think, last week. Remember Job wondering about his situation and God answering him by declaring his own greatness and his own knowledge and his own wisdom. And Job realized, oh God, I was, I was out of line to question your integrity, to, to imagine that somehow I, you know, I should be asking you to justify to me why you're doing things, even in my own life. No, Lord, you are true. You are righteous. You are good. And Lord, all that you do will be right and will be true. And the angels declare it even as these these judgments are going out. Got a little bit of time left. Let's press on here. The fourth bowl, verses 8 and 9. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Even in the midst of this judgment. Now, it says that the angel touched, that the bowl was poured out on the sun. Something is going to happen to the sun. And we know that darkness is one of the plagues also, and some have speculated maybe the sun will have some type of a supernova and stars before they go dark. They actually flare brighter and then they go dark. It could be that the sun is going to go through some type of a supernova uh, you know, flare-up and that's going to cause uh, this scorching upon the earth. It could be that uh, you know, somewhere in you know, even the Ezekiel battles, who knows, there may be some type of nuclear war that takes place. And maybe that will affect the ozone layer of the earth, in which case, again, the sun's rays will become very dangerous to men. These are just speculative thoughts. We don't know, but all of it is possible because this is going to be a time when God is pouring out these things. And these men will, men will be, you know, sore and, and burning and, 
And yet notice that even during this time, they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. It's as if they know God is judging them. And they're mad at God for doing it to them, not realizing that it's the very judgment because of their rejecting Him. Reminds me of that passage in Romans where it says, although they knew God, they refused to honor Him as God. They refused to acknowledge the Creator. And so here men, their hearts will just grow harder and harder. You'd think that the judgments would, would bring repentance, but it does not. And truthfully, you know this, it's the kindness of God that draws men to repentance. It's the offer of mercy that brings men to repentance. I mean, that's why I came to the Lord, to be forgiven. Sure, I, I, I thought that if I you know, continued my, my path that, that there would be judgment, but it wasn't judgment, it wasn't the fear of judgment that really brought me to the Lord. It was the love of God. It was the kindness of God. It was finding out that He loved me. It was finding out that He loved me so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for me. It was discovering that God did not want to judge me. That God wanted to offer me mercy and grace so that I would not have to undergo judgment. That's what drew me to the Lord. It was the kindness of God that drew me to repentance. How about you? But here's what happens. If... If, if you refuse the kindness, if you reject the offer of mercy, then even judgment cannot win your heart over. People's hearts get set and they become hard. That's why it's so important that we offer the gospel. It's so important that we share the love of Christ. That's what draws the hearts of men. You know, we could get up every week and talk about hellfire and brimstone. It seems like in Revelation that's what I'm doing. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's, not, that's not the way we're looking to win souls to Christ. It's, we need to know that there is a judgment for sin. But all that does is highlight the gospel. The judgment of, of God against sin really brings into better clarity and focus the mercy and love of God. Look what He desires to save us from. Look how much He loves us. He wants to forgive and cleanse us and rescue us from these things. But when that mercy and that kindness is rejected, then even judgment, even when it begins to come and pour out, often will not bring a heart to repentance. Verses 10 and 11, the fifth bowl of these seven bowls. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness. This is a judgment against the Antichrist and his kingdom. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Again, it continues judgment, and yet they do not repent. Now darkness has come. We saw the sun being touched and fire was burning men. Now darkness comes. It's causing great pain. And yet they, they blaspheme God. They speak against Him. They curse Him. They shake their fist at Him. The sixth bowl, verse 12. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared.
Read on. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming up out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now the dragon is a reference to Satan. The beast is the Antichrist, and the false prophet, of course, we know is the, is the spokesman or the colleague of the, of the Antichrist. And coming up out of their mouth there are unclean spirits like frogs coming out of their mouth. So this is symbolic of something that's going out from them. For they are spirits of demons, verse 14, performing signs which go out into the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. This is the sixth bowl. It goes out. It dries up the river Euphrates. And this, is a, this, this river, when it dries up, it actually makes a way in which the armies from the east can begin to gather and amass towards Israel. And this is God now bringing in all the nations of the world. This is not the same reference we looked at in Ezekiel 38. This is, this is the battle of Armageddon. This is the final battle when all will come against uh, the Lord. This is but right before Jesus' return when He comes and slays all the armies of the earth. But the river Euphrates dries up and it begins to draw, make way for the nations. And now these demonic spirits go out from those that are the dragon, the beast, and the pro- false prophet. They're going to deceive the nations and they're going to gather the nations. And the nations are going to be deceived by these evil spirits. They're going to be motivated by these evil spirits. And they're going to come to fight against the Lord. And you know, if you, if you think about some of the historic battles and you think about some of the things, as I mentioned, I, I recently was in Israel and we went through the Holocaust Museum. And to see what went on in Europe during that time through Hitler's reign and, and, and the deception that came upon the people and the deception that came upon the nations of Europe to turn to, on the Jews so much to want to exterminate them. And it had to be demonically inspired. It had to be evil spirits. I mean, if you've done any study of that history, I mean, it just, it, your, your, your rational mind can't even fathom how men could bring themselves to do these things. They were inspired by, by demonic spirits. And so in the end here, we will see this type of activity where men, and I think even today, some of these guys, I don't know if you see them, you know, on, on, the, on the news, I mean, just the way they look, I'm, it's a little scary, you know. They look a little crazed. <laughs> you know, I think of that guy in Iran, you know, that guy is, you know, he just seems to be spiritually, uh, you know, driven. I can't pronounce his name, but you know who I'm talking about. You know, there are, there are just, you know, some of these, honestly, some of these terrorist uh, activities, you know, the, that are the ones that are just radicalized and wanting to, you know, blow themselves up and kill as many innocent people. Where does that kind of thinking come from? I believe it's demonically inspired. I believe there are spiritual forces at work that are twisting and deceiving the minds of men. They give place to it. Their hearts are hard and ripe for it. And they, they, get, they embrace it. And I think this is the kind of thing that we will see 
hopefully we won't see it, but it's the kind of thing that will be happening when, and I think that's what the Bible is referencing here, these spirits of demons are going to go out, and they're going to perform signs. There's even going to be, you know, it's going to seem like, you know, the right thing to do. And it's going to seem like a good thing to do. But God is simply bringing them and gathering them. And Jesus gives a word of encouragement to those that, are, that do know him. Behold, I am coming quickly as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Don't be discouraged, he says to his saints that are waiting. You stay watchful. You trust in me. Keep your garments clean. Don't follow the Antichrist. Don't get caught up in this deception. Now, this is written, I believe, to the tribulation saints, but I, I think it's a good spiritual counsel for us as well. Don't get caught up in the deception. Don't get caught up in, in what's going on in the culture. Don't get caught up in, the, in the, you know, the, the, what the nations are saying and espousing. You look to Jesus. Keep your garment clean. Keep your hearts pure. Keep your life in touch with the Lord. Let's continue to serve Him. Let's continue to draw near to Him. Let's not be distracted. Let's be watchful because he's coming quickly. Well, let me finish here. We have enough time just to finish up. I'll read these verses. It basically describes the, the final events, a great earthquake. The seventh angel poured out his bowl. I'm in verse 17. Poured it out into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city, I believe that to be Jerusalem, was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. That's anywhere between 60 to 100 pounds. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. This is the last bowl. It seems to be a worldwide earthquake. Even Jerusalem is going to be split into three parts. It's as though God is reshaping the entire topography of the earth. We believe that after this event, he will be setting up his earthly reign. And we'll look at that in, in, in future studies. But during that earthly reign, it's a totally different landscape. The Bible talks about it. And, and, and think, even, the, even the animal, everything is going to be changed when Jesus comes and establishes his earthly kingdom. This could be that great event that prepares for that. Mountains will be gone. The ones that we see and know, they won't be there. Others may rise up. The islands will be gone. Something so radical is going to shake the earth. It could be, some speculate, a, whole, um, a polar shift. You know, the North Pole is the North Pole. What if um, the, the pole shifted to, you know... Baja California, <laughs> you know, and the whole earth would radically change its axis. And there are even scientists that have theorized that and believe that a possibility because the poles are not entirely stable. There's already wobble and the earth has a slight wobble to its rotation. And, it, and, it, and they, they've been able to track it and it, it kind of 
ebbs and flows? What if something, you know, some kind of cataclysmic event, this event that God is predicting, actually changes the earth? The, the, the oceans would, would be different. The, the whole topography of the earth would change. And this is the kind of event that the Bible seems to be predicting, possibly a polar axis shift and God restoring the earth really and preparing the earth for the kingdom age. And the, and the earth as we know it will be radically changed. We'll close here tonight. And that's a lot to think about. <laughs> but I want to encourage you tonight. If you know the Lord, I don't know. You, I read this and I just, it makes me, uh, have you ever been inside of and by a warm fireplace when it's a really cold storm outside? And you just feel so glad to be indoors and cozy and warm. And, the, and it seems like the, the worse the storm rages, the, the better it feels inside. If you've ever had that uh, kind of cozy, you know, warm, safe feeling. In a, in a spiritual sense, that's the way my salvation feels as I read about these things. I'm so thankful to know the Lord. I'm so thankful that that when these things, and, and guys, even what we're seeing today, it's, it's a little unnerving. Uh, you know, the things that are going on, just ecolo- you know, in, the, in the Gulf oil spill, it's, it's, it's a shame to see these, these animals and to think about the beautiful coastlands that, and, and to imagine the whole earth going through this kind of change and radical judgment from God. It, it, it makes me value my salvation all the more. Lord, I'm so thankful that my hope is not in the environment. I'm so thankful that my hope, my anchor is not in the government or, you know, what, you know, the world, what's going to happen in the world. My hope is in you. My eternity is in your hand. And I'm so thankful to be saved tonight. I'm so thankful to know Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that my life is not destined for wrath, but I've received mercy. And I've been justified before, before God in Christ. My sins are forgiven. I have nothing to fear tonight. I stand secure in my walk and relationship with the Lord. I pray that that would happen in your heart. If you know the Lord tonight, I'm, I'm hoping that you know, as you read this, you'll just, oh man, it's good to be saved. Lord, it's good to be in here by the fire. To know that, you know, uh, you've got me. And you've got my future. But if you're not saved tonight, if you don't know the Lord, if you don't have a relationship with Him, you know, it's like you're out there and the storm, is, storm clouds are gathering and you don't, you're not in by the fire. You're out there in the elements and these things are going to come upon the earth and these things are going to come upon you. Of course, I want to give an opportunity if you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord, but let me go ahead and close us tonight in prayer. Lord, we, we read of these things, Lord. We read of the headlines. We read of the things going on just in our time. And really too much to even look at it all tonight. And Lord, we just kind of took a few highlights and a, and a few headlines. But Lord, it just seems like the time is near. And Jesus, you told us to watch for signs. You told us to be alert and sober-minded. And so God, I just... I feel compelled to, to bring these 
things to our hearts and to our understanding that we would consider them and that we would know, Lord, the days, the days are evil and we need to make wise use of the time. But not only that, Lord, not only am I motivated to live for you with all my heart as I look on these things, God, I'm also thankful to know you as Savior. I am thankful tonight to be saved. Lord, my life's not perfect. I, I've got problems. I've got bills. I, I've, I've got issues. But, Lord, to know that I'm saved from, from the big picture, Lord, when I look at the judgments that are coming, when I look at the global things that you're doing and working in the nations, Lord, I'm saved tonight. And that gives me cause to rejoice and cause to take comfort. And, Lord, of these other things and all the cares, Lord, you're going to manage all of that. Lord, I'm going to be okay because you're going to watch after me and you're good and you're, you're merciful and you're true and you're faithful. I want to keep my life just tightly in your hand, Lord. And Lord, I'm thinking tonight of those that don't have that confidence. There may be some here tonight that just they don't have a relationship with the Lord. They've never really invited Jesus to be their Savior. They've never confessed their sin or acknowledged that they need a Savior. And Lord, I want to pray for those people that might be here tonight. And it might be that you're one of, one of those individuals. And I just have to trust that the Lord has spoken to your heart and He's drawing you. You heard the Gospel tonight. You heard that Jesus loves you and that He doesn't want you to be judged in your sin. You heard that He died on a cross for you and God sends invitation tonight to come to Him. Come, be forgiven. Come, Enjoy the security of relationship with Him. Or maybe you're here tonight and you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you've drifted away in your walk and you're, you're just in a, in a vulnerable place. And spiritually you know that you need to come back and reestablish and recommit your walk with Him. Come back inside and get warm by the fire. Come back to the Lord. If you're here tonight and you need to come to the Lord maybe for the first time or you need to rededicate your life, I want to pray for you and I want you to start by raising your hand so that I can see where you are tonight. And we're going to pray. Anybody here tonight, you need to come to the Lord. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? God bless you as well. Any others? I see that couple there. Anyone else that need to respond to the Lord tonight? pray for this couple in just a moment, but uh, let me go ahead and close all of us in a word of prayer and then we'll close in a song of worship. Lord, we do ask that you would continue to speak to us, continue to minister to us, Lord, in these times. These are exciting times, Lord. Uh, Lord, that's the word from the pastor's conference. We're living in the most, some of the most exciting times in the earth's history. The times right before when Jesus is coming back and we have this chance to, to be a part of what God is doing in these last days. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we don't want to go home afraid and fearful. I want to go home secure and, and confident in my walk and love with you. Stir us tonight, Lord, and just draw us near to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.